Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Well, we've been getting a lot of perspective from the Pacific Northwest. Oregon fans, Oregon State fans, my perspective. A lot of perspective within the Pac-12 footprint about what went down on Friday. If you're just waking up from a coma, the Pac-12 is now the Pac-4. If you're just coming out of the mountains, I had a friend who was in the mountains on Thursday and Friday, texted me on Sunday when he was getting back in cell phone range. He said, what the? Yeah. Yeah. That happened. It's it's hit me at uh, various stages of the weekend that we've lost history. We've lost tradition. I think the rivalry between Oregon State and Oregon, Washington, Washington State will never be the same. I don't know if the schools will be able to play each other. If so, when? Week three? And given that there's a bunch of non-conference games on the football schedule, uh, will they be able to get those games in in the foreseeable future? I don't know. But I want a perspective outside in. And so we go to the uh, great state of Michigan, where Austin Meek, formerly of the Eugene Register Guard, fine sports columnist there. He's now at The Athletic doing his thing. He's joining us live via satellite. How did this go down in your world, Meek? Well, I was... um... I was actually shooting a video project on Thursday with The Athletic. We had some people in town, uh, you know, and I'm on my phone. I'm starting to see some stuff coming in, and uh, one of our one of my coworkers uh, was on the line with some people at Michigan. Um, you know, I, I was just kind of – I was stunned like everybody else. You know, I thought, I thought Big Ten expansion was in the rearview mirror. I mean, we've been doing, you know, all, all of this reporting about what's it going to look like in the Big Ten – when USC and UCLA joined the league, you know, the scheduling thing, like I think back of all the time we spent, all the stories we wrote about the scheduling model for the Big Ten, and they just threw it out the window in like two days. So it's just crazy how fast things can change. The, you know, the sentiment out here obviously was, you know, met with enthusiasm from some Duck fans who were excited about the competition in the Big Ten, some disappointment with Oregon State fans as they feel left behind. Also, uh, a general loss of tradition and history. Um, you know, you have already been on the other side of this in the Big Ten. What was the reaction maybe in the Michigan community to, to maybe playing games in Eugene and playing games in Seattle? I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure how much it registered out here. Like, I didn't hear a lot of people out here really talking about it. I mean, it registered with me, obviously, because I had the, the history and knew so many people back in Oregon and, uh, understood exactly what it would mean for the Oregon Oregon State rivalry and all that, but people out here, Michigan fans, like I just don't know how much it's on their radar. Um, they care about Ohio State, you know. They care about winning the Big Ten. They're thinking about trying to win a national championship this year. Um, you know, if they're going to play a game in Eugene, Oregon, in 2025 or whatever, like you know, I, I I don't get the sense that it's that big a deal to them. And frankly, I think that's one of the sad parts about it is. It affects so many people so much, uh, you know, fans in, in Oregon, fans of Oregon State. Um, you know, this is like a life-altering thing. And for the Big Ten, it's just kind of like, well, should we add them? Yeah, why not? You know, it's 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 not a it's not a big deal for the Big Ten, but it's a big deal for a lot of fans. 
Austin Make of The Athletic. The quality of competition. You know what Oregon football is. You covered it. Can Oregon compete on a weekend, weekend out basis in the Big Ten? Um, how much more difficult will it be versus the Pac-12 in your mind? I think they can compete. I mean, I watched them go into Columbus and and beat Ohio State. I've I've seen Oregon, you know, beat Michigan State. I I think that they can play with Big Ten teams. I I think it'll be a challenge to do it week in and week out. I think it'll be a challenge to do it on the road in November. I think it will be a challenge from a resource standpoint in terms of you know, Michigan's got a 110,000-seat stadium. They basically get a million dollars every time they have a home game. Oregon Stadium is, is half that size, and Oregon's coming in at a, a half of a revenue share. So in terms of the resources, even though it, it's a better situation than what was on the table for Oregon, they're going to be at a disadvantage in some ways to the other teams in the Big Ten. But I, I, I do think Oregon can compete. You know, you look at the bottom of the Big Ten, not very good. Rutgers, Indiana, Northwestern, um, Oregon's performing at a significantly higher level than that. And I think they can at least be a, you know, in the second tier of, of Big Ten teams, if not maybe challenge for the top. You, you mentioned something that, that caught my ear, that, you know, you thought expansion was done. Is that because there was no appetite for it or it had just gone quiet for a while? Or what What led you there? Yeah, I think there was a sense that if the Big Ten really wanted Washington and Oregon, they could have had them when they took USC and UCLA. And they, they did the math at that point in time and said, we want the L.A. schools and, and we're done. And then things start to happen again and Colorado leaves the Pac-12 and all of a sudden things are destabilized and Oregon and, and Washington are willing to come in, you know, in financial terms that are advantageous for the Big Ten. And it was just a sense of, well, we, we can do it, so let's do it. Um, and that, that was just not a place I expected things to end up, at least not right now. You know, maybe eventually if you'd ask me, hey, five years down the road, could you see Oregon in, in the Big Ten? I would have said, yeah, I could see it. But I didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen this time around. I thought they were done with just adding the L.A. school. Happened very quickly. Austin Meek with us of The Athletic. What's happening to college athletics in your mind? You know, I, I think that college football is undergoing a lot of the changes that you know, we're seeing in a lot, of other, um, a lot of other aspects of certainly the media environment. I mean, I wrote about this a little bit in my column. And, you know, John, you know how this works. Like in the media environment now, Everything is determined by your audience size. You know, what, what kind of audience can you capture? And that's true, you know, for me and the writing that I do and for you and it's true if you're a college football team too. It's, it's all about, you know, what kind of audience can you create for your content? Um, and I think that that's taken college football to a, to a pretty weird place where, you know, it's really only the teams at the top with the, with the biggest demand and the biggest audiences now that, are going to have a place in this new structure. And, you know, to me, that's a little bit sad. You know, I look around college football and, you know, even a decade ago when I got to Eugene, there were these, you know, thriving regional brands, you know, the, the PAC 12 for all of, you know, all of the things that you've written about extensively. And that I remember with the PAC 10, you know, the various missteps they've made along the way. PAC 10 football was fun. I thought it was fun. I liked going to Pullman. I liked going to Corvallis. I liked going to the Bay Area. You know, it was a brand that was different from the Big Ten brand, different from the SEC, 
you know, it, it had its own little niche there. Uh, but in this environment, like it's not enough just to have your own little niche. Like you have to be, you know, scalable. You have to have a mass audience, and it wasn't there to sustain it for the for the Pac-12. You know, certainly aided by a lot of mistakes along the way by leaders in the Pac-12. Um, and so now we're ending up in a place where a conference that had been viable for as long as Oregon had been in it now is is not going to exist in the way that we're all used to. And I think that's kind of a sad thing. I'm looking at TV, Austin, and I'm wondering about the influence of Fox before them ESPN. Uh, I don't like it. I understand why it's necessary. I understand they're paying the bills. But I don't like how driven by television all of this consolidation feels. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like it either. It feels like college football now has become you know, a sport for the for the people who sit and watch it on TV. Um, and look, I watch football on TV. No, no, uh, you know, I'm not looking down on that at all. But I also know that you know what made college football the sport that we all know and love is not just the people who sit and watch it on TV. It's the people who go to the games. It's it's the people who you see in the parking lot, the tailgate. Um, you know, the diehard fans that you know have been part of these rivalries for years. Um, you know, I'm sure that Oregon playing Michigan is going to look great on TV. I'm going to watch it. You're going to watch it. We're all going to watch it, right? Um, but when it's just a sport to be consumed on your screen instead of a sport that you go out and experience, uh, you know, with your neighbors and, you know, the people you went to school with and all of that, like it's just a, it's a different sport. Um, and I, I feel the same way. You know, it's, it's sad to me the amount of influence that, that the TV networks have over the, over the sport, but it really is true. Like we're all in the uh, content creation business now, whether you're writing articles or, or playing football, it's just it's content that somebody's going to try to find a way to make money on. Yeah. And I think as you, uh, as you look at the landscape, I, I think there's further consolidation down the line. Austin make of the athletic is with us. Focus on Michigan um, state of the union, Jim Harbaugh's program, uh, this se- season, the expectations. What do you, what are you looking at? What are people talking about there? You know, in Michigan, they're talking about can this team win a national championship? And there are a lot of people who feel like it can. Uh, certainly, a lot of people in Michigan's building who feel like that's possible. It's really been the the mission statement for this team since Blake Corum announced he was coming back, running back who was in the Heisman Trophy conversation until he got hurt late in the year. J.J. McCarthy's back at quarterback. They've got a lot of pieces back on defense. And this really is lining up for Michigan to be, I think, their best chance to win a national championship since the last one they won in 1997. Uh, There's still, I think, a a significant talent gap between Michigan and Georgia and and the teams that have been at the top. Um, But I also have seen enough from Michigan, including two wins against Ohio State teams that were really talented, to think that, that this program can close the talent gap on the field. So I, I, I think this is going to be a really fascinating Michigan season, in part because Jim Harbaugh might not be on the sideline for the first month. He may be suspended, so that adds another wrinkle to it. Yeah, and I think you know, everybody always thinks about Michigan, thinks about what a power they are, and then you know we watch and, and you know Ohio State and Michigan, we see them as the faces of the Big Ten Conference. Um you know how how frustrating is it for Michigan fans to not get a payoff, to not get a national championship uh, in, or an appearance in the title game, or maybe the way that the season ended a year ago? 
you know, high expectations. Pac-12 teams would be thrilled to make it as far as Michigan did. But are the expectations championship or bust now? I think Michigan got their payoff when they beat Ohio State in 2021 and then when they beat them again last year and won the Big Ten. I mean, that was, for Michigan fans, you know, going back to, like, the Bo Schembechler era, Bo Schembechler never won a national championship. But he's got a statue in front of the building, and the reason he's got a statue is because he won the Big Ten and he beat Ohio State. And those are really the first two things that Michigan, if you're going to succeed as a Michigan coach, if you do those two things, man, you're, you're in the clear. Now, there's a lot of fans who feel like, okay, we've been there, we've done that, we, we broke the losing streak against Ohio State, we got to the playoff, now we want to take that next step. Uh, and that's been the message from the team, definitely, is they feel like, you know, we've lost the last two years in the, in the semifinals of the college football playoff, and now it's our time to go win the thing. That's really been the been the rallying cry for this team. But I got to tell you, for all of that being said, if Michigan beats Ohio State again and wins the Big Ten again, I don't think there's many people around here that are going to say that season is a failure, even though I do think the expectations are higher. Austin Meek of The Athletic is with us. Um, you know, the, the USC arrival in the Big Ten was probably the subject of a lot of conversation at least in our footprint over the last year. Now you have four schools going there. Any sense on how the conference, you know, as they will reschedule or realign the schedule or redo the schedule yet another time, any sense on how often we might get to see Austin Meek and Eugene? Like how often would Michigan end up at Autzen Stadium in your mind? Well, if it was up to me, I'd do it every year. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't think (laughs) they're going to give me a vote on that. Uh, Man, I'd love to get back to Eugene as soon as I possibly can. Uh, you know, I think I think that it is possible with this schedule. That, again, they just spent like months and months working on the scheduling alignment that now they're going to have to change. But I think that there is a way where they could tweak it uh, and make sure that the the incoming Pac-12 schools are playing each other on a regular basis, and then move a few games around. Um, so I I am going to guess that it's not like a drastic change to the schedule. Uh, Michigan's schedule has been announced for 2024 and 2025. I believe that they are supposed to play at USC in 2024, and UCLA is supposed to come to Ann Arbor uh, in 2024. Whether they get either Oregon or Washington on the schedule, I don't know. Um, But I don't expect it just to tear up the whole schedule and start over because that would just be way too much work. I mean, it took them a long time to get to this. So I'm – I think they're going to try to integrate the the two new schools with as little disruption as they can. Austin Make of the Athletic covers Michigan. Hey, I appreciate you making time for us. And uh, you know, I know that there are a lot of people that read you at the Eugene Register Guard that continue to read you in the Athletics. But uh, I'll be seeing you in a press box. It looks like I I told Chip Kelly this Meek I on Media Day, Pac-12 Media Day. I said to Chip, I was a little wispy. This was going to be our last one-on-one. And he says, no, it doesn't have to be. Come to Big Ten Media Day. I got a text from him over the weekend saying, you know what, I didn't want to be right this way. Um, you know, yeah. as, as Oregon now will be at Big Ten Media Day. <laughs> yeah, well, it's only a matter of time uh, before we're all somehow in the same room together. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Uh, it's going to take us a little while to get there, but... A few years from now, I have a feeling uh, that one way or another, we're all going to end up in the same place. Whether that's good news or bad news, I don't know. But, hey, there's always a silver lining. Uh, and for me, that silver lining is 
I get to uh, see some some people from back in Oregon and catch up with some people, so that that's a good thing for me. Amen to that. Austin Meek, uh, always looking for the bright side. Thank you, my friend. There he is checking in from Ann Arbor, Michigan, where it didn't make that big a news on Friday. It was everything here. Like, people went bananas watching what went down with the Ducks and the Beavers and now all eyes on Stanford and Cal and the meetings that the ACC is holding internally. Will the ACC expand by two? Would they expand by four? Would they take the four remaining Pac-12 teams or just two? Right now, if you're Oregon State and Washington State, I think you have to have a very solid contingency plan in the event that Stanford and Cal run for the hills like everybody else did. Um, I said it uh, over the weekend to numerous people. I'm going to tell you this. There are no friendships. The friendships ended. Friday, Oregon's, you know, the news release goes out, Oregon and Washington say, hey, we still want to play our in-state rival, you know, uh, that they just left behind. Like, you know, I don't blame Oregon and Washington for doing what they did. I really don't. Like, I'm not one of these people, because there are a lot out there who are saying, Oregon should have done what was best for everybody else. They, Oregon had a, had a fiduciary duty to do what was best for itself. I don't like it. It's not what I would have done, but they had a fiduciary duty to do it. In the end, though, I think if you're Oregon State, you realize, like, hey, man, uh, you know, they didn't love us after all. And if you're Washington State, you're looking over at Washington going, hey, I get it. I get it. We're rivals, Apple Cup, all that. But in the end, if it comes down to uh, you or me, it's you. You know, that's who you're picking. But, but all of these schools are doing that. And I think Meek's right. I think we're all going to end up in the same room. I think it's all going to be one big... You know, everybody's under the same umbrella. How many teams are in it? 40-ish. You know, I kind of wonder what's going to happen to schools like Rutgers. Okay, they're in the Big Ten for now. But what happens to a school like Rutgers if ultimately consolidation keeps going down, down, down? You know, does a school like Rutgers have to pick and decide, like, does it matter? Does it fit? You know, what are the top 40 schools? Like, if we look at the, you know, just the top 25 year in and year out, those schools all in, and then maybe another 15 schools get to be part of major college football, and the rest get what? Get left out? Get put on the street? I don't know. Um, it'll be something. You know, the competition, I, I love the callers on the show because cause I went back and I listened to Friday's show in its entirety over the weekend. I thought it was a terrific show that largely was driven by callers. And it was like one caller would be really excited for Oregon getting to the Big Ten, and then the next caller really upset that Oregon State got left behind, and then the next caller just lamenting the loss of tradition and history, and then the next caller talking about you know the the big picture twenty years from now, and then the next caller it was just it was just such an amalgam of emotion and feelings, and I thought it was very authentic because it just captured sort of the feelings that are going on out there right now. Like, but, but let me ask you this. If you were in Oregon's position, come last Friday morning, and you have the option of choosing the Pac-12 conference in an Apple TV deal that would have given you a guarantee of $23 million a year with some additional upside that could have got you up around 30 if everything went well from a subscription-based standpoint. And the alternative was go to the Big Ten, get an average of $35 million a year, and know that you're going to be in the place where football's going. It's all going that direction. 
and you're going to arrive there in a timely, guaranteed fashion so as not to be left out, what would you do? 503-417-7575. Watch your phone. Starting to trust the technology. Here I am, Stephen, still here. Sound good? Am I a fool to trust the technology? Maybe a little bit, but you know what? <laughs> what else you got? You got no other choices. This is what you got to do. People don't understand. Like, uh, it, it, it's a simple thing, but, you know, I always, like, I almost I had a friend who texted me and I said, hey, I'm sitting here waiting for the modem to reboot because it knocked the radio show offline. He said, why don't you just go down to Starbucks, do the show from there? <laughs> Might as well. Might as well do it. Might as well, yeah. Uh, we got to go to the phone lines. I want to hear from you. What do you make of Oregon's decision to go to the Big Ten? What does Oregon State do now? I have some thoughts on that. I'm told by a source at Oregon State that Oregon State has lots of lines in the water, meaning they're trying. They're trying to get somewhere. They're trying to ensure their future. They're trying to do what's best for themselves, and they should. Mike is in Centralia. The phone number is 503-417-7575. Mike, what's on your mind? Hey, John. First things first, love your show. think you guys are doing a great job. Um, here's my concern. We're getting half the cut, Oregon and Washington. We're getting half the cut that USC's getting and UCLA and the rest of the schools. What's, that, what, what's to say we're not going to fall behind with that? Because you got five years, and then we know it's going to get all mixed up again. Yep. Yeah, Oregon and Washington both got great facilities. Uh, you guys got Knight. Washington's got the tie. But you're still not getting all that money. And when it comes down to it, it's all about money and uh, NIL. So kids are still going to go want to go to these other schools rather than Oregon and Washington. Why, why are they going to come play for us when they can go somewhere else and get more money on the NIL? So I think they're taking a big chance rolling the dice. I know they did what they had to do. Um, but let's hope that Oregon and Washington don't fall backwards on this. And, again, a lot of Duck fans out there, I know you guys got the brand and Washington's got the history. But we're taking a big chance doing this. It's not going to be a, a, a walk in the park playing Ohio and um, Michigan and even Iowa and Purdue. It's going to be a grind and the travel and the grind. It is, it's no cakewalk. And my big concern, again, not to repeat myself, is us falling backwards rather than moving forwards because of the, um, the money that we're not going to be receiving. I'll yeah. take your comments off the air. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, look, I think Oregon has the great equalizer. It's Phil Knight. And you better believe that Oregon does not make the decision it made on Friday without Phil Knight signing off on it. He, you know, he had to. He, you know, he doesn't, maybe maybe he's not the face of the vote. He's not the person casting the vote. But you know, Oregon doesn't go, yes, we're accepting the Big Ten invitation without Phil Knight going, I'm good with that. Now, I, just, I got this great quote one time from Pat Kilkenny. Longtime Oregon booster. Yeah, the guy himself is a, a successful entrepreneur, wildly successful businessman and uh, investor. And, you know, he's probably the number two booster at Oregon. I asked Pat Kilkenny what he thought made Phil Knight successful. And Kilkenny said, I have the ability, speaking of himself, I have the ability to, uh, to see some things in the distance as a business person and entrepreneur. He said Phil Knight sees around the corner. Really what he was getting at was 
Phil Knight being able to see what's next, what's happening 20 years from now. Do you trust that a little bit? Because I do. Because I go back to the guy who was selling the sneakers out of his trunk in Eugene, Oregon, who built that into the global power that Nike is. And I go, yeah, I think that guy has some sense and maybe some vision on what's going on. He's a visionary. That's what he is. So I do think the great equalizer of Phil Knight, his wealth, whatever sort of uh, fund that he has set up for Oregon to draft off after his passing, he's 85. I think the Oregon will be fine. But remember, I told you on Thursday last week that Washington would not jump without Oregon. I think the bigger risk is to Washington. I think Washington has bigger questions. Washington financially was not winning in the in the Pac-12. But the Tyee Club was doing a good job, adequate job, by, by major college standards. But it wasn't like the phone call that Rob Mullins, the AD at Oregon, can make to Phil Knight to make everything better in the event that you have a shortfall. You know, it, it takes 40 calls or 400 calls to to get you uh to get you even there let's go to the phones josh is in vancouver josh what's up man hey john thanks for taking the call i hope you had a weekend and the boys had a weekend uh to recharge your batteries uh since we got a little finality to some of this stuff i mean i know there's a bunch of unanswered questions still but it but at least it seems like we're we're readily moving more to a conclusion for everybody with a clearer picture for now, uh, and I only say that temporarily. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, huge Duck fan here, uh, but with that being said, I kinda, I don't know, man. I, I, you know, I went into the weekend feeling sick to my stomach. I come out of the weekend feeling sick to my stomach. This is weird. It, it's, this feels like a breakup with, like, somebody that you, you were really in love with, but you, but, you know, maybe the situation wasn't good for you, and so you're kind of not over it. So you have all these thoughts in your head where you're you're questioning like is, is is this really the right move? Okay, now we've cut ties and it's we're moving forward, but are we doing the right thing? And uh, <clears throat> I just think that this is this is all a super interesting uh, situation that we're in right now. But at the end of the day, I think Oregon did the right thing, uh, and here's why. I think that Oregon would have made the money on the Apple deal. I think Washington and Utah make the money on the Apple deal. To the Big 12's credit and Brett Yormark's credit for being ultra-aggressive, and I think he'll continue to be ultra-aggressive, I think that he is the thing that is that would have continued to create destabilization in the Pac-12. And if the other four corner Pac-12 schools would not have been making the money on subscriptions, I think two years from now or three years from now, Brett Yormark is, is laying in the weeds waiting, and he's just waiting for the opportunity to jump and destabilize the Pac-12 again. And I think ultimately that's why Oregon made the decision they did. I think that's why Washington made the decision that they did. This wasn't about the Apple deal. This wasn't about today. But this was definitely about what happens in three years, what happens in five years when the money's not there, not just this time, John, but again. Not this time, but again. Because this would be the second meteorites deal in a row that has been a complete flop and didn't pay everybody what they were expecting, and it was what it was. So I can't fault Oregon for doing what it's doing, but, man, like, I just, it, it still doesn't feel good. Yeah. Anyways, have a good yeah. Monday, bud. 
Yeah, I'm in the same position. Like, I don't begrudge Oregon. I don't. I think I think it's a, that would be a very easy position to do, and it would be very easy to point the finger at Oregon and say it's their fault. But I, there were some other factors in play, and the caller hit on, you know, the Apple deal. Um, Dr. Robert Robbins at the University of Arizona talking about the Apple deal and why he thought it was intriguing. Yeah, the, I, I think the Apple thing was very intriguing. Uh, I, and and the, the student-athletes, they were, you know, if you go and look at what happens with uh, MLS right now, um, you know, it, it was described to me, the, the technology, and you can imagine Apple being involved, the technology was uh, state-of-the-art and the best and forward-looking. So when a, when a player comes off the, the field, um, you know, they're given a file to download to their device and send out to their social media uh, account about all their highlights of that game. I mean, I don't know how you get that now. You're lucky that, uh, well, we, we, we video all the games, but are the players really going in and putting together their own highlight reels? So parts of it were very, very compelling and exciting. And it was Apple. Um, and it was, you know, in, in our backyard. Yeah, in our backyard, meaning in the Pac-12's backyard. Robbins went on to say that the downfall of the Apple deal became evident to some of the members. I think the, the base price, the guaranteed price, the fact that there was no linear and that it was subscription-based, none of us, you know, we were trying to think, well, it's going to be like, selling uh, you know candy bars for little league or you know girl scout cookies uh, i don't know if girl scout cookies or, or you can say that anymore but um, you get my point you've got to convince three to five million people every year to sign up for a hundred dollars a year to watch uh, on a streaming only app i think i think you know, if you're asking Oregon and Washington, they, they came to uh, the conclusion that that may not be the best deal. And when, when they had opportunities for other deals, I think, again, not blaming anybody, they made the best decision that they thought was in the interest of their university. And I, I will never fault anybody for doing that. Robert Robbins, the Arizona president, uh, he and I played a clip earlier, he did say, did confirm what uh, I reported on this show on Friday, that uh, the nine remaining members of the conference all expected the, to be in that meeting, and uh, only seven ended up there ready and willing to sign a grant of rights. Hey, I and, got a question yeah. about this whole the whole timeline here, because yep. it, was a, it was a roller coaster. Nicole Auerbach, remember, she tweeted at 628, that Oregon and Washington's exit from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten appears to have lost momentum, and that was only a half hour before the meeting. But then we hear, you know, 10 minutes before the meeting as well, that Oregon and Washington were going to be out, and they knew that. So what, like, how could it be reported that a half hour before that they're, they lost all this momentum, and then it seems as if they were staying in the Pac-12, then 20 minutes later, no, they had already decided they were out. Is it just a miscommunication in the sources of what it was, or is there something that actually happened in between those 20 minutes that helped decide it for Oregon and Washington? Well, I think you're, you're talking about the fact that seven presidents let, – let me just play – let me play the, the Robbins clip again where he talked about what he expected because I think it helps explain it. You have nine conference members who were left. 
You have nine members left after Colorado, uh, you know, left the conference. Arizona and Arizona State had engaged with the Big 12 on Tuesday and Wednesday. They saw the media rights numbers. Um, they were digesting them, trying to figure out what the deal was. And, you know, they had the Thursday night meeting. And, you know, Nicole Arbach, you know, tweets out that, you know, it looked like they were going to have a deal Friday morning. But part of it is that I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to explain what happened without outing sources. But I'll tell you this. I was in contact with multiple presidents of the Pac-12 conference throughout this entire thing. And I thought it was really funny that some of the trolls on Twitter were like, oh, you're talking to Oregon State's president, or oh, you're talking to only Washington State's president. I was talking to presidents in their footprint. I was talking to presidents who have left the conference. You know, I was all along, I was being told that they felt unified, they felt engaged, and I think they did until they saw numbers. Then they huddled up privately, and then they started going, okay, what are our fallback options? What options do we have? But I think it was clear by Thursday night, Stephen, that Arizona State and Arizona were staying. They were staying in the conference. I was told even on Thursday morning they were staying, which was why I said to you, pay attention to the Regents meeting at 6 o'clock. If no news comes out of it, it's good news, because I felt like if Arizona and Arizona State were going to pivot, if they were going to pull a 180 and say, hey, we're leaving, it was going to be announced after that 6 p.m. meeting. But what I think Arizona and Arizona State did is they pointed to Oregon and Washington and said, if you're in, we're in. And I had a source at Oregon who told me that it was the equivalent of a bunch of people trying to trust each other with guns pointed at each other underneath the table. Because Arizona State Arizona also had you know, the option to go to the Big 12, and they knew that was looming in the background. The Big 12 wanted them bad. And I think what happened is, that Arizona, Arizona State said, we're back in, we're going to stay in. I think on even on Thursday night, I think Oregon was posturing and telling people that, you know what, the Big Ten deal is just not enough. And I think on Friday morning, if you listen to Robert Robbins closely, on Friday morning, I think Oregon had a second meeting or a second phone call with, um, you know, with uh, the, the Big Ten conference, and I think they got the pot sweetened. And I think they got the the little piece that they thought would close the deal. Listen to Robin's words carefully. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, look, we we were, <laughs> I think we were all expecting Friday morning we were showing up together to sign in blood uh, our grant of rights over to the uh, to the Pac-12 conference, and um, you know we were notified uh, by I, I guess they must have split us up. I I got called by one of the presidents and said, look. This is tough, but we um, we came to an agreement with the Big Ten, uh, you know, ten minutes ago, and I just want to give you a heads up before we we get together uh, as presidents and chancellors that we'll be we'll be taking our talents to the Big Ten. You know, I don't know. I I don't think the media who were reporting, hey, the Pac-12 is going to pull it out, were privy to whatever happened in the half hour before the meeting. Could it? I think we were all going on information that came late Thursday night, and in, from, in my case, at 5 o'clock in the morning on Friday morning, I was told it's all on track, everyone's expected to be there, something happened right before the meeting. Yeah, because Arizona State President Mike LaCroix, he said the same thing, he echoed the same exact thing about the Apple deal, that they, they were intrigued by it, and they really liked it, and it sounded like they were going to stay, but it, it could it have been where, you know, ESPN, maybe they were trying to 
do one last ditch effort to try to help it so Oregon and Washington didn't go to the Big Ten and Fox? Could that have been a thing, like as well? Like I'm, I'm thinking conspiracy theories here. Yeah. Like, could they have floated that out there because it was such a roller coaster ride in the morning? No. Um, are they going to stay? Are they going to leave? And it was just so weird that a half hour before the meeting that it gets tweeted out by numerous people, not just Nicole Auerbach, it was yeah. numerous people that said, "Me too. Th- yeah, Me too." Yeah. I was saying, you know, this is uh, that all. All the presidents are expected to be there and sign the grant of rights. I was told that Friday morning at 5 o'clock in the morning by a member of the CEO group that, that is not in the state of Oregon. Okay, It wasn't Oregon. It wasn't Oregon State. It was another member of the CEO group who's saying, we're all lined up. This is going to happen. And uh, I really felt as though they went into that meeting. There was part of me that was happy for the nostalgia of the conference. Hey, they've held this off. But also I was going... How many years until the Big Ten comes back? And, you know, is it two years? Is it three years? They come back after Oregon and Washington. I don't know. And here's the other thing. Like, there's some strange people on social media who are, like, really, really interested in Arizona and Arizona State having, like, made a decision that was not incumbent upon Washington and Oregon's decision. But the truth of the matter is, if Washington and Oregon were staying in this conference, you just heard from Robert Robbins. Does he sound like a guy who was going, you know what? We were in that meeting, but we weren't going to sign? No, he was signing. No, they, Yeah, he proved it in that clip. Like, if Oregon stays and Washington stays, we're in the Pac-12. Like, that is very obvious. I think if you, it's very easy to see that, and anybody pushing the other way is just uh, trying to you know boost up yeah. that conference. Yeah, I, I got a bunch of jackasses on Twitter who are saying, you know, oh, you're making that up. Like, uh, okay, I'm making up what five and six presidents are now saying publicly. You know, it, it, and, it, and really their motivation is, like, it's kind of sad to me. It's fanboy motivation, but it's like they want to have, you know, that Arizona wasn't, and Arizona State weren't sitting around waiting for Oregon. The truth of the matter is Oregon was the most powerful player left, and Oregon had options that others did not. And, frankly, Oregon had options that Washington didn't have. And so if Oregon was going to stay in the conference, the conference was staying together. And if Oregon was leaving, the conference was blowing apart. That's a lot of pressure to put on Oregon. Hey, do what's best for you, but also know you're blowing up 800, you know, 108 years of history. And I think Oregon had to do what was right for itself in the end. Robert Robbins said it. But, but again, these presidents, chancellors, i I got to be honest with you. I'm not impressed. They're running universities. I am not impressed with the group that I have been covering for the last year. I have to be frank with you. We're unified. We have solidarity. We're all in this together. And then they all in the 11th hour, despite the fact that, you know, they had talked about values and they had talked about principles, and they, they all were going making backup plans. And, you know, there were no friendships. There were no rivalry. They were all a bunch of pirates. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.